This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Audio wasn't broke, okay? We did that intentionally for the reason I, I believe we're all so caught up in a noisy world. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. I welcome all of you. If you're a guest here, we're so honored to have you. If you uh, need a Bible, we love to get the scriptures in your hand. So just raise your hand up real high or ushers will get you one. We'll begin in Mark 4 and then we'll go to the book of Exodus 20. I'm glad you're here today. Like Shelley said, we have two weeks left. Next week will be the finale on this. Just learning to make decisions in our life. And so as you're turning to Mark 4, just a, a couple questions here. Do you feel like you always have the need to be doing something? Just think about that. Do you have the need to always be doing something? You know, are you anxious, uh, fidgety, maybe out of boredom? Do you feel like you always have to be surfing the channels? I'm great at that. How about scrolling on your phone, scrolling on the internet just to be doing something? Uh, many times it's, it's like we're trying to live life in the fast life. And I heard a statement the other day that really jumped out to me. Is killing time killing me? And so good thoughts here today. So one of the things I want to talk about this morning is how important it is for all of us to make appointments with God. And there are several ways we can begin to do that. You know, when we have a doctor's appointment, a dentist's appointment, or really any type of appointment in life, we all do the best we can to get there. I mean, we will do everything we can to get there. Well, we need to have that same mentality when it comes to the things of God. So I want to give you the first appointment here. Begin with me in Mark 4, verse number 13. And Jesus said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? So Jesus gives us great insight here that this parable right here, which is called the seed of the sower, Uh, It's a big one. It's the granddaddy of them all. It's like he's saying to each one of us, he's saying, listen, guys and gals, if you don't get this one, you're not going to get any of them. Verse number 14. The sower sows the word. The seed of the kingdom of God is the word of God. And so he's talking about we must plant the word of God in our hearts. I've got to get the word. Now, what he's going to show us here is there's four areas in in this parable. I believe every one of us in here this morning are going to fall into one of these categories today. So we begin the first one, verse 15. And these are the ones sown by the wayside where the word is sown. It's planted. And when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Now, just because I hear the word of God doesn't mean I'm going to keep it. And so he tells me there that Satan comes immediately to steal the word. This ought to give us great insight, the importance and the significance of the word of God. If the devil goes to extremes immediately to get it, it tells me he does not want you or me getting the word of God. Verse number 16. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word, they immediately receive it with gladness. But they have no root in themselves, so they endure only for a time. Afterward, after they've heard the word of God, 
which tribulation, when tribulation or persecutions arise for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now, he gives me two insights that the word of God is going to bring some troubles toward us. Those troubles are designed to make you stumble, to get you away from the word of God. The second one, he said, that when persecutions arise because of the word of God, it, again, they come after you to get the word out of your life. So one of the first things the devil does, he comes immediately to take it. But if the devil can't get the word of God out of you, then oftentimes persecutions come from people. So he's going to put people in your life to persecute you to the point where you say, I'm done with the word. I don't want to live that way. That's the second area. The third area, we begin in verse 18. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones, they hear the word. But the cares of this world, the anxieties of this world, the message says they're overwhelmed with worries about all the things they have to do. Now that one right there, it really identifies our society. Because man, we got things to do. We hurry here, we hurry there, we hurry everywhere. And it's designed to keep me from allowing the word of God to get on the inside. The next thing he says in that passage is he said the deceitfulness of riches. Which leads us to all the things we want. I want this and I want that. And so oftentimes we work and we work and we work to get those things. But it's designed to push the word of God out. And then the last one he says... And for the desires for other things enter in and it chokes the word and it becomes unfruitful. You know, the Amplified says, there it says, the distractions of this age. So what's some of the big distraction of our age? TV and social media. So again, every one of those are designed to choke the word out of our lives. And if you note there, he said, if that happens, we become unfruitful. Look at verse 20. But these are the ones sown on good ground. That's what I want to know about. Those are the ones, they hear the word. Now remember that right there. In all four categories, every one of them heard the word. But in this one, the good ground, it says they hear the word and they accept it. To accept it means I I agree with it, I live by it, actually I have the faith to believe it. They hear the word and they accept it and because of that they bear fruit some 30 fold, some 60 and some 100. So the only way I'm going to gain or bear the fruit of the kingdom of God is when I embrace the word of God. Now I'm going to paraphrase this passage but this is Luke chapter 10 verse 38. There were two women Jesus was coming to their house of this woman named Martha and this woman named Mary. The Bible says that Mary was busy. She was busy serving. She was over-occupied. Now, when you look at that passage, the things that got Martha in trouble weren't evil or sinful. They just weren't the best thing. And Jesus himself said to her, he said, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things. And so in this passage here, you you begin to see that oftentimes it's been said this way. 
If the devil can't get you to be bad, he'll get you to be busy. And so in her life, that's what's happening. But Jesus says to her, he said, but Mary has found the good thing. And the good thing was she sat at his feet and she heard his word. Now, did Mary sit at his feet and hear his word because she didn't have anything else to do? No, I think Mary had things to do. But she understood the significance of getting into the presence of God and hearing the word of God. And she embraced the moment. What would happen in me and you's life if we begin to live that way? Where we say, man, I, I got to embrace the moment. What matters? I got to get into the word. And I like to say it this way. When I get into the word of God, God will get into me. God will get into you. This becomes the blueprint of my life. And understand that the word of God hasn't changed. Psalm 119, he said, my word is forever settled in heaven. God is very clear not to add to the word or take away from the word. And so we live in a society that wants to try to redefine the Bible. Well, God didn't mean this and God didn't mean that. Yeah, he did. He meant everything that he said in that word. And so the significance of living by the word of God is very important. But I must make appointments to get into the word of God. I believe it's important to get into the word of God on a daily basis. You know, you'll hear me reference a guy named Smith Wigglesworth, but he said this years ago. He said, we feed our natural man three hot meals a day, and we feed our spirit man one cold snack a week, and we wonder why we're spiritually malnutrition or spiritually malnourished. Yeah, I got to get in the Word. I got to get into the Word. An appointment with God on a daily basis to live by the Word of God. You know, as parents, we're instructed to teach our children the Word. Over and over, we put the Word in them. That's the first one. Go with me to the book of Exodus, chapter number 20. And we're going to go to one that I, I believe really, really needs to take root back in our lives and back in our homes. If you've studied the Bible very much, many of you will know where I'm going. I'm going to the Ten Commandments. The greatest top ten list ever. Now note what I said, the Ten Commandments. I didn't say the Ten Suggestions. The Ten Multiple Choices. Well, you know, I like number two and I like number eight. But number seven, I don't like that. See, again, those weren't meant for me and you to decide whether we like them or not. We either obey them or we don't. So we begin in verse number eight. Remember, earnestly remember... The Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now when we talk about the Sabbath day again here. The, the Sabbath was to meet the needs of the people. It wasn't for the people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. I believe when God spoke that in effect here. He knew that, that society year after year. Generation after generation. We would have busy routines. But God was putting an emphasis on this day called the Sabbath. And in our society, we have podcasts, we have churches on TV, we have Facebook churches. There's all kinds of ways that we can view the Word of God. But I want to highlight this today because God believes, or His Word is, we're together together here. We're to come together. Keep reading, verse 9. Six days you shall labor, you shall do your physical or economic work, and do all your work. 
But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who's within your gates. And so right here he's addressing us and he's saying this is a day of rest, of refreshment, and remembrance. Now, we, we still have Wednesday night services around here and there's a lot of people who come to our Wednesday night service. That is their Sabbath day because they work. Again, do you really believe God's going to punish them because a person can't come here on Sunday morning but they can't come on a Wednesday night? See, I don't know that God is so much caught up in the day that he is that we make it a point to have a Sabbath day, a Sabbath rest every week in our lives. Now, he gets real, real, real particular here in verse 11. For in the six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all is in them, and he rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he hallowed it. The Lord blessed it. The Lord blessed this day so much that I believe when we honor God on our Sabbath, we give God the first fruits of our week. He's going to bless the rest of your week. And it's interesting that not only did God bless this day, He said He hallowed it. It means that He says that this is a holy, holy day in His eyes. And we can justify it. We can try to excuse it any way we want. But I believe in God's eyes, this day was non-negotiable. I personally believe that he, he wants us to, to set an appointments with him. But he says, I want you to be a good steward with your time. And so not only are we to rest this day, but we're come to worship the Lord. We ought to be so excited when our Sabbath day comes around. Now, we don't have the thought, oh, crud, I got to go to church today. No, it should be we get to go to church. And we march in here and we say, you know what? Not only are we going to hear the word, we're going to worship God today. Now, many people will say, well, that's all Old Testament. But in the book of Hebrews, chapter 25, the Lord said, do not forsake the assembling together. He said, actually, in one translation, assemble together often with the people of God. Something happens when we come in here together. Yeah, you, you can hear the podcast, but it's not like being here. There's an anointing. You know, what, what I always sense with this is the Lord said that one will put a thousand to flee, two will put ten thousand. There's great power in numbers. When we come in here in unity, God begins to move. So, in saying that, Make this a big deal in your life. Make appointments to say, with everything in our ability, we're going to be in the house of God. We're going to go to church, we're going to worship, and we're going to be around the saints. That's the second one. Turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 30. 1 Samuel, chapter 30. And when you get there, this is a passage about King David. And you may ha hear me highlight this several times today. But as born-again Christians, I don't care how many days you've been born again, whether it's one, whether it's 10,000. We're not exempt from problems. 
Remember, he said there'll be tribulations because of the word. Things are going to come up in our lives. Now, this is a great story about King David, how some tribulations arose in his life. So, 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1. Now, it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag. Now, Ziklag was where they lived. That was David's residency for about 15 months of his life. And it says, on the third day, when they came back home from going on a, on a war path, really is what they did, where they were going and raiding other villages, that the Amalekites invaded the south and Ziklag, and attacked Ziklag, and he burned it with fire. And they'd taken captive the women and those who were from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but they carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was burned with fire, Their wives, their sons, their daughters had been taken captive. Now get a picture of this. You've been gone on work for three days and you come back home. Your home and all your possessions. Your very, very comfortable mattress, that Tempur-Pedric mattress. Your lazy boy. Your 50-inch TV. Your refrigerator. All your snacks that you have hidden around the house are gone. Your wives, or I'm going to say wife, okay? We're not going to get into David when he had more than one. But your wife and your children are gone. Everything you have is gone. Now, we've all had bad days before, but that one may top it all right here. This is a bad day. This is what David is experiencing in his men. Verse 5, And David's two wives, Ahinanom the Jezreelitess, and Abigail the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed. The king, the man of God, the man that the Bible says was a man after God's own heart, he was greatly distressed. Life's pressure, life's stress, I believe that he was depressed severely to this point. See, again, it shows me, I I don't care who we are. We're going to go through some things in life. There's other reasons here. Now keep reading in verse 6. He was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. So the very men that he had been good to all the days of his life, they turn on him. And now they're wanting to kill him. Now this is where the whole story gets real interesting to us as believers. None of us are exempt from troubles or tribulations when they come. So now the question arises, what will I do when they come? Pay close attention to what we can learn here from King David. Verse 6, the end. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. The Amplified says that he he strengthened himself and he encouraged himself in the Lord his God. So in a very difficult time, David's constancy, David's secret sauce was, I got to get around God. I got to get around God. And I believe he began to remind himself of God's faithfulness. I begin to believe that he began to worship and he began to praise God. Now, in our modern day society, we could say it this way. 
David didn't run to Facebook and begin to let the world know how bad his day was. David didn't tweet out, woe is me. David didn't tweet out, I have more difficulties than anybody else. David didn't say, hashtag, life sucks. That's, that's in the Greek, okay? Again, it's interesting to me that when life got tough, David ran to God. David made an appointment with God. I got to get around God. Verse 7. Then David said to Abathar, the priest, Ahimelech's son, Please bring the ephod here to me. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. Now understand, the ephod was a piece of garment they would wear. And when David would break out the ephod, it literally meant, I'm going to seek God. I'm going to get around God. But in this situation, I believe he was saying, I've got to obtain counsel from God. I've got to obtain the wisdom from God. Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. James chapter 4 verse 8, it says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. And you know, that invitation is, is given to every one of us in this room. But oftentimes in our lives, when we have the opportunity to draw near to God, we choose not to do it. Verse 8. So David inquired of the Lord. David inquired of the Lord. David didn't inquire on social media. David inquired of the Lord. I got to hear what God said. And he goes on to say here, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? So I believe David's posture was this. Lord, I come to worship. I come to praise you. I believe he began to get still and quiet. And he began to listen for the voice of God. And note here at the end of verse 8 what takes place. And God answered him and he said, Pursue, for you shall overtake them and without fail you'll recover all. In this situation, it seemed very obvious to me. If someone takes my wife and my kids, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go after them. That's what it seems like in the natural we should do. But David wanted to hear God's thoughts. God, David didn't take life for granted. He said, i got to hear God's thoughts. And many times we look at this and we think, I wish God would speak to me that way. I personally believe God still speaks in those ways. But if I never get quiet before God, and I never get still before God, then I never hear from God. Turn with me to, to Psalm 46. Psalm chapter 46, and as you're turning there, here's a great question for every one of us. Where or what do I turn to when I need direction? What do you turn to? Who do you turn to? Now, I've had these notes written for months. This is literally months and months and months and months. And I've had this verse, 
highlighted and circled, not only on my notes, but in my heart. So I've literally been walking out this verse right here. And this becomes really alive here, and I believe God wants to help us. I believe he wants to get this on our heart. This is Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still. Be still. The New American Standard says, cease striving. One other translation says, desist. Be still. And you know, when we showed the video a minute ago, you, you, you can sense restlessness within us. You, you can sense an urgency of, I, I, I don't like it quiet. Because why? We're, we're always used to such a fast pace. I mean, I find myself at times, e- even getting ready in the mornings, having to have the TV on. Uh, there's nothing wrong with praise and worship, but many times we, we've got to have something going all the time. And we feel like we're always heard, but he says, be still. Why? And know that I am God. Recognize and understand that I am God. But I believe for every one of us, a great downfall in all this is the key to be still. What would happen if our lives, if we took five minutes to be still before the Lord? Some would say, that's crazy. Some would say, that's stupid. Some would say, five minutes, that's easy. Anybody can do that. That's easy. It's not so easy. And this is what begins to happen when I go before the Lord and say, Father God, I want to get still and quiet right here before you. This is how it began to play out in my own life. I would come in here. There's a certain places that I go to be still and quiet before the Lord. And I would sit here and you know what would begin to happen? I would get still as far as I wouldn't say anything out of my mouth. But I would get still and all of a sudden my mind would begin to run. My mind would begin to download all the stuff I had to do that day. I got emails. I got texts. I got to do this. I got to do that. And I had so much static and so much clutter that it was literally mind-boggling to me to think, I can't sit here for five minutes without being still before the Lord. And so I had to begin to get an image. I would close my eyes and and I would just look in in, in the eyes of my mind and I'd say, I I see you here, Lord Jesus. I want to drop in neutral where I'm just still before you. I'd started out with five minutes, and then I'd get to six or seven minutes, and then all of a sudden, I got this to do that, and then I'd have to refocus, and I'd refocus where I literally said, Lord, help me. Help me to be still before and, and know that you're God. Now listen to what it says. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The, earth. the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. God wants to be my refuge. But too many times we're in too big of a hurry. So here's what happens. There's two things that happen with with Psalm 46.10. The first one is I must 
learn to be still and quiet before the Lord. If I don't ever get still and quiet before the Lord, I never get to number two. You know what number two is? To listen and hear the voice of the Lord. See, we go back to 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 8. King David took the time to get still. But remember, he waited to hear from the Lord. He got quiet enough to hear what the Bible references as the still, small voice of God. And the same way that God spoke to King David, I believe he speaks to his children. The problem is we've got to learn to slow down enough to get still. I begin to make appointments with God. Whether it's five minutes here. There's a place in my, in my bedroom that I go. There's a little, a little seat in there. And I go to the refuge of the Lord to get alone with God. And because of, of weeks and weeks of doing this. I'm finally able to get to a place where I'm still before God. I wish I could tell you there's days I could go more than three minutes. There's days I can't. And then I regroup and I say, Father God, grace me to be still and hear from you. Because I need to hear your word. I need your reign in my life. And say, I don't need to ask right now. How many of you in here need some direction in your life? Because it'd be every one of us. Your hands would go up. Feet would go up. I think we're all in the same boat. But i got to make an appointment to be with Jesus, to be with the Lord. To sit at his feet and say, Lord, help me. Grace me to be still. I think it's more difficult for ones of us to be still. If you watch certain people in praise and worship, probably me, I'm everywhere. I I mean, there's times I, I can be sitting at home and my leg is doing that and my wife will grab it. and Stop. I mean, we're just moving, we're moving, we're moving. And so it becomes a little bit more of a tug of war for some of us to say, Lord, you're going to have to help. You're going to have to grace me because I'm going to learn to be still. I don't want to miss out on the things of God. I'm going to learn to be still. That's where the Holy Spirit kicks in. One last passage. Go with me to Mark chapter number 1. Mark chapter 1. A decision to make an appointment to be with Jesus. You know, as you're turning to Mark 1, every one of us in here know what it is to replenish or to recharge physically. That is, as we go through a day, every day, how do we replenish and recharge physically? I got to eat. I got to get food in me. I got to get protein. I got to get things in me. You know good and well that if you don't eat good... When you get up the next day, you're not going to be totally refreshed and recharged. But what about even the area of sleep? So physically, we understand what it is to replenish, to get good food and sleep within us. But what about spiritually? What about in my heart? I think we can learn something right here from this passage from Jesus. This is Mark 1, verse 32. At evening... At evening, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, whenever, when the sun had set, they brought to Jesus all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. 
Then Jesus healed many who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. And he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. Now, when I read this here, Jesus' evening was extremely busy. I mean, you think about that evening. I don't know how many he prayed for and how many devils he cast out, but it was many. Many, 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 many. And if you've never prayed for many people at one setting, I tell you, it'll wear you out. It'll suck the life out of you. Anytime you do. And so Jesus here is he's just wore out physically, I believe probably emotionally. Look what happens in verse 35. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, Jesus went out and departed to a solitary place, a lonely place, a deserted place. And there he prayed. Not because he didn't have anything else to do. I believe he did this here as priority to be with the Father. He had an appointment to be with the Father. And think about this. This is the Son of God. Who said, I, I've got to get around my Father. I've got to replenish I gotta to hear the, the still small voice. I gotta get into a place where I'm quiet before the Lord. And it's interesting to me that it says the first thing he did that morning, he went to be around God. So he didn't give God his leftovers. He said, To set the tone for my entire day, I'm gonna hang out with the Father. Now, here's what's interesting about that verse. Even though Jesus had demonstrated power over demons and to heal disease. He showed the need to pray for sustained spiritual effectiveness in his own life. He said, I gotta have him. Verse 36. And Simon and those who were with Jesus searched for him. And when they found him, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. But you know what? Jesus refused to have his agenda dictated by the demands of people. Jesus said, my first obligation, i got to get around the Father. So oftentimes, I think because our refusal to shut down, to not do certain things in our life, unplug, it keeps us from the things of God. Now let me ask you right now, is there areas in your life that you could shut down, you could turn off and say, I'm going to get around God. I raise my hand and I plead guilty. I say, yeah, there are things in my life that I need to shut off and unplug from to be around Jesus. And so when we look at all this right here, to schedule appointments with the Lord, even in this area, whether it's to get into His Word, to come to church, to, to, to be still and quiet before Him to pray, it's going to take effort and it's going to have discipline in order for me to get to that place. Jeremiah 29.3 says this, You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Do I search for him with all my heart like he's talking about? And so just a couple things here. A quest to know God. What is your quest to know God? Do you desire to get into to the word? 
Do you desire to pray? I have a desire right now in my life to say, Lord, I got to hear what you want me to do. I got to hear your voice. And, And that doesn't happen by coincidence. That doesn't happen by accident. It happens when people of any age begin to say, I'm going to learn to walk this out. I'm going to learn to be still before Father God. See, this is what I found in life. My discipline fails me. My knowledge, it fools me. But Lord Jesus, you're the strength that I need. And it's my will, my will, to bow and praise you. It's my will. To pray. It's my will. I surrender my will to hear your voice. And again, I believe this is significant for us right now. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.